Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles and Brian McElfish. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? It's 2023. This is the first show of the new year. This is also the first show of the offseason for CFBDynasty.com. My name is Matt Knowles. Down there on the other side over here, that's the founder of CFBDynasty.com, Brian McElfish. Also joining us today, a very special guest, Mr. Doug Gravely. How are you guys doing today? Good, Good man. Man. What's All going right, on? so I'm going to direct something here to Doug real quick. So Doug is the newest member of the CFB Dynasty Home League. You've heard us talk about the Home League, uh, where it all started. Doug has only been in it for a couple of years. Uh, but Doug this year actually went to the uh, college fantasy finals. Unfortunately for Doug, he uh, he got slapped down by the uh, uh, by the the, uh, the 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 curse master himself, uh, Gordy Miller. Uh, but Doug said, oh, "You know what, Hex Miller, Hex Miller." So so Doug said, "You know what, I, I'm I'm not satisfied with that. I'm also going to go to the Pro Championship. In the Pro Championship, he also got slapped down by Mike Davis, <laughs> but not so fast, my friend." As we all know, championship week was was marred by the DeMar Hamlin incident. So Doug and Mike Davis decided they were going to play again. And for a third time, Doug got slapped down. So Doug, here's my question to you. What do you feel about being the only person in the history of CFB Dynasty to lose three championship games in the span of one season? What's your take on that, Doug? Man, my take on it is that... I was on the struggle bus. I think I was faking it, trying to make it, and I just couldn't pull it off in the end, dude. Like, I think I am probably the only one to lose three fantasy championships in one year. Oh, in history, in history. Which is I mean, great. You're like, you are the Buffalo Bills of, of our league. <laughs> 100%. You know, I think uh, losing the college fantasy championship by .2 hurts worse than getting absolutely demolished like I did in the pro championship. But, hey, man. All I can say is I'm going to come back, be stronger next year, and maybe I'll win both. Who knows? And we'll you know see. what? Though, as, as, even though giving you some hassle there, everybody would have traded positions with you to be able to have that chance to have that shot. I know BMAC would have traded positions with you, right, BMAC? So, so how you doing, BMAC? How's everything going here in 2023 for you? Let's talk about what's going on in, in CFB Dynasty and and the kind of plans you have for uh, for the the new year um, on CFBDynasty.com. Yeah, so we uh, we have a, new tools that we're not really going to talk about until we can kind of demo them, and we'll probably demo them only with people on the Discord, and we'll we'll really try and get that rolling as we get to twenty twenty three content creation. So we've we're working on um, we'll have freshman rankings that come out first, and those will come out after. Um, you know, the second and final signing day of this cycle. And then we'll get into uh, depth charts and rankings for, you know, all the top positions and, and keep updating Debbie and all the rankings that we push. Um, and that's, that's all super exciting. I always love this time of year because it's filled with hope. You've got new players to research and, uh, and, and play rankings. So today though, we're going to kind of look at what did we do wrong so we don't make those same mistakes again and uh, just kind of talk about some of the misses and some of the hits uh, over the course of 2022. Yeah, one of the, the biggest focus of today's show is going to be what we learned doing the tw- during the 2022 season. Uh, there's a great article if you go up to cfbdynasty.com. There's a great article up there 
Uh, we're actually going to go through it right now. So BMAC, why don't we pull that article up and uh, let's talk about some of the things that we learned during this season. Yep. All right. So I've got it up on the screen. If you're on the podcast, yeah, you'll just have to check it out. You can go to news and articles and it'll be the most recent one if, if you're up there now. Um, so looking at the the data looking at the stats of course so kind of the way we'll do it and and you can go in and click on the best college fantasy performers by position um so this is a great resource especially if you're new to fantasy and you don't know like all right what to do at all you're kind of overwhelmed by you know the the difference in the teams in the nfl from what you're used to to 130 plus teams in college like who does good and, and what are the trends? This is a good place to start. So you can click through and see. So if you have quarterbacks, we list out the top five and then you can see all of them ranked um, after that. So we've got that for each position. And then what we did is we kind of took a look back um, going right before the season, our final rendition of our preseason rankings in our draft guide and kind of just, you know, see how we did, what did we do wrong? And some of it, some of it is just, uh, you know, players obviously are going to break out all over the place. Like receivers is certainly a spot there where it's, it's kind of more difficult to predict than running backs and quarterbacks. Um, but also there's things to learn and uh, we'll get into all that stuff, but yeah, stuff like Ty J Spears, he is. He finished the season second in fantasy points. We had him. I can't remember where he had him, but he was a miss for us. And he was someone who was on my board, and I missed on him in our own drafts. Like I, he was someone I loved. He just couldn't have an injury-free season until this past year, and he absolutely killed it. So, if anything, I will go more with my gut. And um, you know, same thing for Muhammad Ibrahim. Like we had him higher than everyone else in the industry but still not high enough. And, yeah, wasn't, and I he, was, uh, wasn't he ranked number 20 in the preseason? I think a little bit better. He was um, way down the list on a lot of other rankings just because of coming off the ACL. Um, or no, it was the Achilles. And uh, that's a tough injury to come off of. But he had he was hurt the first game of last season against Ohio State, talking 2021. So he had the full offseason there to kind of heal up and get better. And man, he had a great, consistent uh, fantasy year. Finished number see, three. You see, yeah, my had... my man crush is right there at number four. Israel Abanacanda, a guy that wasn't even on anybody's board to start the year, jumps up there and really changed <clears throat> a lot of fantasy football fortunes as the year went on. Yeah, so it was good. Um, some good and bad. Obviously, looking back at preseason rankings and kind of what we thought was going to happen and how it actually happened. So we're going to certainly make fun of ourselves on, on some of our mistakes and, and learn from that. But as you go into the article, um, so you can get past the, uh, you know, just the top CFF performers, um, you've got the breakdown of each position. So at quarterback, we take a look at, all right, which conferences produce the best quarterbacks in terms of fantasy. And for this sake, we're looking at someone who would be, you know, if you have a two quarterback league, this would be all your starters. So the top 24 quarterbacks of fantasy, um, you probably immediately think of like, uh, you know, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Bryce Young and DTR and some of those from the SEC and Pac-12. 
those two conferences made almost 45% of the top 24 quarterbacks, which is kind of crazy, um, especially when you think of the data that you'll see in a minute um, at receiver. But anything stand out here to you guys on this pie chart looking at um, you know Pac-12 and SEC uh, dominance for quarterbacks? Well, I mean, I kind of expect Pac-12 to – to have some dominance um, at the quarterback, maybe even skill positions, because I'm not a big fan of their defenses very often. Yep. Um, the SEC is kind of surprising because they're a conference that's usually known for having kind of tough defenses to play against. So it's pretty surprising to me that the SEC is actually, you know, as high as they are in the percentage column. I think yeah. it's uh, yeah. I think it's uh, really interesting that. Um, you have your power five conferences that basically dominate this entire pie chart. You would think in college fantasy, where we're just looking at just the stats, that you're going to have more of your group of five uh, because when you get into the season, deeper into the season and, and the group of five are playing against each other, you're going to have a lot more higher scoring games than the, say the Mac or um, the Sun Belt. So it's interesting to see that those power five conferences do dominate here, pun intended. True. Yeah. So, uh, and these SEC guys are going to be gone. Like uh, you think of Hennon Hooker, Stetson Bennett, Bryce Young, all gone. Whereas, you know, Caleb Williams is coming back, Bo Nix, um, Michael Penix, Cam Rising. Pac-12 is going to be the place uh, potentially for quarterbacks in 2023. Mm -hmm. um, so as you scroll down, you'll see a little scatter plot there uh, that you can interact with. So, not all of the players' names are listed below the chart, but if, as you like hover and click on the dots, you'll see, you know, who's there and where they finished um, on the scale, with uh, points being on the left side, and then a little uh, donut chart for um, by class. So if you're going into the season and you're totally new to college fantasy, uh, there's some general rules here like that you can look at so for quarterbacks seniors made up 43 percent of the um you know top 24 quarterbacks in fantasy juniors made up 43 percent sophomores just nine percent and five percent were uh, freshmen so um huge hugely in favor there for juniors and seniors and quarterbacks does that change the way you think or would draft um in a standard like redraft league you know here's what i would say i would i'm interested to see how that pie chart looks or that graph looks say in one or two years and the reason i say that is because right now i think that it might be skewed a little bit because we don't know if a junior is really a junior or if he's a super <laughs> senior yeah, true. and yeah. i think there's so many people that are that are upperclassmen that you know i mean look at um you know, look at, uh, at Harris. Harris is coming back for what his seventh year this time. So he's a super, super senior. Yep. Um, so I think that once we get past the, the COVID extensions for players, we might see that graph even out just a little bit, but um, yeah, it definitely would make me, me think twice about drafting a freshman or a true sophomore quarterback. Um, unless they're a Patrick Mahomes, somebody that you know is going to come in and, uh, and really take over. Yep. Definitely. What about you, Doug? Yeah, I think, and I think you gotta be careful drafting the young quarterbacks. You're not always gonna have like a Drake May, for example, um, who just kind of comes on and seems like he puts everything together at once. 
Um, but I, and that was the exception. I, that was the freshman exception, right? I there. figured. Um, and you know, I think on my personal team, I probably have more junior and senior quarterbacks than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, Matt, you know, you got those guys that have that seem like they've been seniors for three or four years. So it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of hard to to distinguish which one's which at this point. Yeah, and through the show, I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna touch on a bunch of of little topics that we'll do full shows on um, later on in the offseason. Things like the transfer portal. Um, I think the number of quarterbacks in the portal this year are are is is unbelievable. But one of the things that I find interesting, um, if we were to look at the your top five quarterbacks, one of the names on there was Austin Reed. Austin yep. Reed at the end of the season, number two quarterback on the list, puts his name in the portal. And you're like, this is crazy because he had such a great year at Western Kentucky and he was actually a known commodity. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, where is he going to go? Well, some of those quarterback names, even though there was a lot that transferred, Austin Reed and Grayson McCall both put their names in the portal and then pulled back out and are staying where they were. So I think that that's one of the things that we haven't really seen before is guys putting their names in and then pulling back out and going back to where they were already established. So I think that that's going to be interesting to see was that the right decision for for those guys to stay at the smaller schools um, that are getting some national notoriety, or should they have been like half the ACC and moved on to a greener pasture, so to speak? For sure. Um, so yeah, general rule of thumb, I think that if I was educating someone who's new to CFF, go junior senior. Um, if if uh, if not any other rule, that's that's what I would do in, in a redraft league on. Uh, quarterback so running back is a bit different um so it's very evenly spread throughout all of the conferences and in college football not a single conference got to 15 percent. actually so sorry the big 10 was at 16 percent. they led the way um no one else made it up to 15 percent. so you see uh the scatter chart here where john robinson um and tajay spears you know far and away led the way at running back um, being the only two guys over 300 total fantasy points. But then you get down to the chart where this is the only position where seniors don't dominate. It's juniors that dominate 46% of the top 36 running backs came from juniors. Uh, Only 7% freshmen. Now we all, get so excited about a freshman you know evan stewart going into the class last year's receiver everyone's really pumped about him certainly nick singleton and he is uh you know one of the exceptions uh actually no he's not quite in the list here but then sophomore was 22 percent seniors 24 and a half percent and this makes sense um when you consider nfl potential like running backs have a smaller window of you know how long they're going to last in the nfl so the great ones leave after their junior year and that's pretty much uh you know standard whereas seniors a lot of them are are coming back and i was still surprised though only 24 and a half percent of the top 36 running backs were seniors i think a lot of times with uh senior running backs too they end up becoming in-season pickups um, you know, you see a guy that, that takes over the depth chart as a senior. That's not normally what happens in, uh, like you said, in college football. It's normally a guy that's going to, you know, 
get to the top of the depth chart during the season. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's it, normally, especially like in uh, in CFB Dynasty, where you're looking for pro potential and college potential at the same time, uh, drafting a senior running back is always uh, is always a landmine because you know you might have him, but you might only have him for 12 weeks, and then mm-hmm. he's not even going to make it to the NFL. Like you said, short shelf life for running backs. They want to get out there, go make their money, and uh, follow the juniors. I agree. Yep, Dynasty League uh, certainly don't want to take seniors uh, unless you have to. But otherwise, in a redraft league, yeah, I was still still shocked there by that percentage. So at receiver, um, you know, like the SEC and Pac-12 were dominant from the quarterback standpoint. But at receiver, the AAC took the lead there at 20%. Uh, Conference USA, uh, almost 17%. And then you've got the Pac-12 at at almost 13%, Big Ten at almost 13%, and the SEC um, was only at 3%, even though they had those quarterbacks. So those quarterbacks in the SEC either ran it in or mm-hmm. spread it around like a mug. Really, Jalen Hyatt um, was the only real standout here, opposite of what we thought, kind of going into the season with uh, Jermaine Burton at Alabama and, and some other young talent there. Yeah, I think a lot of those uh, SEC quarterbacks this year were very uh, very much so dual, dual threat guys, like a K.J. Jefferson type style. Um, yeah. Anthony Richardson, obviously, you know, dual threat. There's a lot of those guys that are just dual threat guys that <laughs> may have like one receiver they feature, and that's kind of about it. Yeah, so kind of one of the lessons here um, for me is you want um, wide receivers from pocket passers, and you really, in most scenarios, don't want a receiver from a dual threat quarterback. Yeah, I think um, the I think this year the the one exception to that, which was very odd, was uh, UTSA because you had Frank Harris. Right. That's probably one of the one times that it's going to be the exception of the rule there because he had some receivers that were always in our top five. We talked UTSA receivers almost every week uh, during the regular season, and Frank Harris is a dual-threat quarterback, but that is not something I agree. That's not something that you're going to see very often is a productive dual-threat quarterback with receivers at the top of the list. Normally, normally it's going to be one or the other. Yeah, Caleb Williams to Addison comes to mind too uh for most of the year but dang yeah like i think that's a good general rule here take receivers from pocket passing situations most of the Mm -hmm. time and then you look at the donut chart here by class zero freshmen make the top 36 and then basically 33 percent across the board uh juniors seniors and sophomores evenly splitting uh you know the top 36 receivers in fantasy at tight end, um, you know, we had we kind of nailed the big three going into the season, just as you would have thought with the Utah tight end, which we didn't expect to be Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer and Brock Bowers. Those three led the way. If you ended up taking them in round three, round four, um, it worked out for you um, because majority of the time, you're going up against someone who's getting, you know, half the points. And when you can get that kind of advantage at a points per game scenario at a position, that's huge. This is not always the case with tight ends in college football, but 
this year there was a clear top three going into the year. And that's how it panned out with uh, 41% of the the top 24 tight ends were seniors. Um, 22% were juniors and 26% were sophomores. Yeah, that's, that's different than the running backs because normally, I mean, I can't remember a whole lot of times where you see consistently tight ends coming out early to go to the pros and have success. A lot of times it is the guys that are the upperclassmen and the seniors that are, that are going to the pros and, and being good there. Yeah. Um, you don't normally see tight ends coming out early. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the top three of those tight ends too are going to be very successful at the next level as well. I mean, they're just, I think yeah. they were just leaps and above, you know, how the other tight ends performed. They just, they, they, they're game changers for sure. At kicker, it's pretty easy. Draft a senior especially if they're on a high-scoring <laughs> offense. Yep. Really? That's about it. Um, we can move along. But, yeah, I mean, the top kicker this year, uh, Jake Moody, uh, had 156 points. Podlesny, 141 was, in, was next. But, uh, yeah, senior was 68% of the uh, top 24 kickers. Um, if you got anything, cool. But I think we can move along there. Um the gap here for defense is what I want to talk about. The gap between Michigan, the number one fantasy defense this year, and the number 24 defense, which is typically pretty solid. The gap is a, over 100 points, um, which is pretty wild. So you're considering Michigan at 382 fantasy points on the year compared to Duke with 272. So um, that's a big advantage if you ended up with Michigan this past year. And, uh, you know, their offense kind of helps lead to, to more fantasy points. But it's those prototype good run-stopping defenses that are up there. Georgia was number two. Iowa, number three. Bama, number four. And then Illinois. You don't think of them as a great defense, but they run the ball. They control the clock and don't give up a ton of points with that style. So I think looking at those kind of styles are going to be big. Um, uh, you know, Penn State up there, Clemson, yeah. So kind of who you would expect, but taking the, the ball control offenses and using them to your advantage in fantasy defense is big. And defense is always one of those things, too, where it always matters the style of league you're in. If you're in a league that's got unlimited pickups, you can just stream defenses. It's no big deal. Um, in a league like ours, we have limited pickups. You're stuck with the defenses you have. So you have to make sure at the beginning of the year that you're drafting some defenses that are designed for early season play and then some for late season play because what you're going to get in the beginning of the season, you are never going to want to be playing a a Florida Atlantic University or a Western Kentucky in the first three weeks of the season Mm -hmm. because they're going to be playing their money games. They're going to be out there getting slapped by a Power 5 conference. But then when they get into their conference schedule, things might be different. And, um, and vice versa. Uh, you might want to have your school, say you have an SEC defense, you might be picking an SEC defense for the beginning of the season and week 12 because SEC historically always plays money games in week 12, which a lot of times aligns with the college championship. But you have to get there. So so, so you do want to make sure you've got a, a group of five defense in the middle to try and hopefully counteract some of that stuff that would happen when Alabama's playing Florida and you might have a higher scoring game. Yep, for sure. Totally. So, Doug, I have a question for you. All right. So, so 
you've been in this league for a couple of years. It's been three. What? So you've been in the league for three years. So, and this year you went to both championships, as we talked about at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. What do you think is one of the most important things that you've learned being in this league? When you came in at, uh, in year one, you thought you knew everything. Now at this point, you're like, holy crap, I had no idea about that aspect when I started. I'm so glad I know this thing now. Um, honestly, it's just preparation, man. I, I've always been a, an NFL guy, and Brian knows this about me. I've known Brian for quite a few years. I've always been a big NFL guy. You know, for, I'm one of the, the select few, I think, that's a more of an NFL fan than I am a college fan sometimes, but I'm kind of shifting. Um, I love watching these young kids succeed, but, man, it's all about preparation. Like, I can't tell you honestly, and I'm going to let my uh, college fantasy nerdness come out a little bit here, but how many hours I put into to prepping for real. If you want to be successful, it's, you know, it's buying the magazines, you know, it's reading articles from, from everybody, um, you know, seeing what scouts post on Twitter from it's, it's everything. Yeah. You know, and hopefully so much preparation. And the goal really for CFB is to take Doug's prep, to take my prep and package it together and so that you don't have to do the prep unless you want to and it's fun a lot of people love and crave that stuff like i do but um yeah that's that's so important to you know being ahead things change uh over the course of the year really quickly like you think you know a team in september and then in october uh the wheels fall off so there are things that you have to kind of learn and and be reactionary about but yeah that's that's a really good point there so that's our look at uh, what we learned. Again, if you guys uh, want to go and dig deeper into that article, make sure you go to cfbdynasty.com. Um, Brian, is that available for free or is that something you have to be a subscriber to get? Yep, it's free. And right. um, it's there under the most recent articles. I did shift around the, the navigation, I feel like, to make it a little bit easier <laughs> to understand. So plenty more to come here on the site. But yeah, that's under news and articles, recent posts. So the next thing we want to do is we want to go to hits, misses, and breakouts. I know, Doug, this was a big thing for you, uh, putting some of these numbers together. The hits, misses, and breakouts for this year. Um, tell them what this is uh, and, and what the, uh, the criteria was to put this list together. So basically for our hits, breakouts, and misses, we looked at quarterback, running back, and receiver. And for our hits, we wanted to see where we ranked them to start the season and where they ended up, how close we were, how accurate we were with our – projections and what we thought was going to happen for our breakouts you know those those kids out there that we were like oh dang all right well that was definitely not what we expected and kind of the same for the misses you know we we expect them to be here and they end up kind of maybe ruining your fantasy season um i know uh brian had a couple i've had a couple you know we've all had them throughout our our fantasy days and it's just so frustrating when you're when you expect so much from a guy and they they don't give you what you thought they were going to give so but basically you know we just looked at where we had them ranked uh where they ended up and like brian said earlier in the in the podcast you know trying to learn from those mistakes or those or those hits see what we did right what we did wrong and just trying to make it better all right doug so let's go over to the quarterbacks let's go there start with i guess you're going to go with your hits let's start with the hits Okay, yep. I'll talk about my number one hit was sophomore Caleb Williams. 
for CFB, we had him ranked as our number three quarterback going into the year, and he actually ended number one. So we weren't very far off on that. He had a great season all around. Um, but, yeah, like I said, he started out for us at number three and ended up number one. Let me go with a negative one where, where we sucked. Um, so Brennan Armstrong, yikes. We were wrong uh, wrong as a mug on that one. So we had um, – where did we have him, Doug? Going into Brennan Armstrong season. we had at 14 and he ended at 91. Yikes. So going into the season, like I remember the prep very well and he lost his top <laughs> six O-line. He had all his receivers, Dontavian Wicks coming back and all that stuff. And, you know, he had 500 attempts, 4,400 yards, 31 touchdowns the previous year, and uh, 65% completion percentage that dropped by more than 10% uh, going into 2022. Um, so I we expected a drop-off, but dang, not that big. So Virginia was just terrible offensively, and, and that really underscores the significance of an O-line. And what we have to look at. So I've considered like adding an O-line strength of schedule, you know, potentially just based on uh, talent. You know, it doesn't quite scan to running game versus passing game because obviously pass blocking and run blocking is a little different. Schemes are different and all that stuff, but at least a talent grade um, <clears throat> is something we could get to. But yeah, Brennan Armstrong, way off. I think and one of the things uh, BMAC and I have talked about about Brennan Armstrong this year is there's another factor that as well. Brennan Armstrong lost his offensive coordinator to Syracuse yep. this year. Uh, Robert and went to Syracuse, Syracuse, their offense had a breakout season. And now this year upcoming, both a and Armstrong are going to be at North Carolina state. So will we see the rebound for Armstrong because the offensive coordinator that helped to propel him to national prominence is going to be back reunited with him. So there's all, there's a lot of different factors, offensive line, who the coordinators are, what the offensive style is they're going to run. They all play a part. It's not just the name. It's what the situation is they're in as well. Yeah, I was going to say for Armstrong, I believe the whole coaching staff was different. They got a new head coach too. Um, And kind of like you said, Matt, I think Armstrong is going to have a comeback season with NC State. That that team in general is just a a fighting team, and they tend to try to make things happen anyways. I think he's going to have a better year this year. I sure hope so. As a uh, as a, a diehard, you know, true blue Wolfpack fan, I would like to see that. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's go down the list. Let's let's talk some more of the people on the list. Who do you want to go to next, Doug? Um, I'll stick with misses, and I'm going to go with Malik Cunningham for Louisville. Um, I think one of the big reasons for his drop off is just the offense just looked kind of dry. Um, he went from two years where he. Could, where he attempted over 300 passes a season to only attempting 218 passes this past year. And his rushing totals were way, way down, only 500 yards rushing as compared to, I believe he was a thousand yard rusher the year before. I mean, just the offensive totals were down. Like, I don't know, kind of like we said with Armstrong, I don't know if it's an offensive line thing. I don't know what changed for them so much year to year, but just the offense looked kind of dry this year. Another one where the offense just looked terrible. Another miss for us would be Van Dyke uh, from Miami. So Miami, um, you know, we've heard from like coaches um, that, you know, talk to Josh Pate, late kick, whatever, who have said it's it's the offensive coordinator 
and that system that just wasn't a fit for Van Dyke. I was kind of surprised he's kind of uh, sticking around there. They had the backup um, did uh, transfer out of Miami, but we'll see what they can do. But he, yeah, we had him projected at 13 because of how good of a freshman season he had last year. Go like and and such a strong finish. Like he looked looked the part. He was uh, you know on the draft big boards he was always in the top one two or three quarterbacks you know first round projection and uh so the whole industry missed and uh we'll see if he can have a bounce back this upcoming year but finishing 121st in fantasy uh stats you know kind of wasn't wasn't what we thought wasn't what we uh saw going into the new year um last year it wasn't what anybody thought like I think they also said that he was dealing with a shoulder injury most of the season that wasn't really talked about very much. They kind of kept it on the, on the down low. So, you know, it's, it's kind of hard with injuries, especially on the the college side when they're not as visible as it is on the pro side. Well, I think one of the things too, that's very interesting without, uh, without exposing any other names on your misses list, the misses list is almost entirely ACC quarterbacks. Uh, the ACC also saw almost half of the league go into the transfer portal this year. So you want to talk about a league that is going to be completely in flux. It's really hard to be able to project uh, in January of 2023 what the ACC is going to look like, period. If everybody had a down year or has transferred, um, who knows where the ACC is going to be going into the 2023 season. So there's going to be a lot to sort out uh, in that conference. Yeah, I'm going to shift the, the conversation a little bit to, to the breakouts, and I'm going to go with, obviously, the number one breakout in my mind was freshman quarterback of North Carolina, Drake May. Um, had an incredible year. We had him coming in at the 38th, and he actually finished number two. Um, he just – he had all the tools and put it all together at the right time, and he just looked like the game was never too fast for him. He, he had – you know, he – of course, he had his struggle moments, but – he just seemed to put it all together for me. He had a great season. From the jump, too. It, like, they were in that quarterback battle going into the season. We didn't know. Like, going into our draft, we didn't know. There was no <laughs> announcement yet. And, of course, little sneaky Mike Dillingham takes Drake May. <laughs> that and, snake. Uh, oh, always that Mike snake. Dillingham. Always the Mike s- Dillingham. You thought you thought Ken Stabler was the snake. It's Mike that's, Dillingham. That's the guy that I want to beat, guys. Mike Dillingham. That's, that's <laughs> I think he's my kryptonite. Maybe Gordy's y'all's, but it's definitely Mike Dillingham for me. Let me tell you, Doug, you're number two. Your guy at number two, I want to talk about him because I'm looking at his his preseason rank compared to his actual. That's a pretty unbelievable uh, gap in between those two. So talk about your number two breakout quarterback. Uh, got sophomore Riley Leonard from Duke. We had him at 234th in our early rankings, and he ended up 12th on the year. Um <laughs> So maybe he should be in my number one spot. Maybe it's because I like Drake, Drake, Drake May so much that I put him number one. But Riley Leonard had a year. And I'll tell you what, he's probably available in most CFB leagues still, if I could take a guess. Yeah, in leagues like ours, maybe. But uh, there's not a lot of leagues like ours where typically you get unlimited ad drops and, and most people have picked him up. But yeah, in, uh, in dynasty leagues, you know, like ours, where it's like, super limited it's it's probably uh because we're only allowed three pickups a year so it's it's uh not super common but um let me let me uh talk about another 
terrible miss. Well, so Cade McNamara <laughs> for Michigan. Yeah. You know, he ended up losing the job. Uh, so that that's really this the story there. Um, JJ McCarthy came in and won that job. Uh, they had that weird thing going into the season where Harbaugh was going to play McNamara week one, McCarthy week two, and they had like the softest schedule. So they, they had the full flexibility to do that. It didn't matter. They were going to win both games by a lot. And the second game that McCarthy played uh, was at Hawaii, I think. And McCarthy did really well and kind of won that job. And uh, McNamara ended up only playing in, in three games. Yeah, they put um, McNamara in that game. And he had like a quarterback rating of 1.8. Now he's at Iowa. And, and if I can excite you with some potential going from Michigan to Iowa, Iowa had seven touchdowns passing last year and seven interceptions. <laughs> so uh, I would say it might be a good time to go ahead and dump McNamara if you've got him on a, like a dynasty league. <laughs> like I was going to say, that though. absolutely does not excite me at all, B-Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that defense, get rid of all their offensive players over there. That's That's pretty much the story we're going with for them. All right, there's a uh, Doug. Let's go over to your QB breakouts again. I think uh, number three is somebody that uh, nobody really had on the radar. Uh, your four and five are names we've heard before, but yep. that guy at number three uh, really jumped up. So let's talk about who you have at number three there. Yeah, at number three, I've got the junior uh, quarterback from Houston, Clayton Tune. Obviously, had a great connection, you know, with with his receiver, uh, our number one receiver, right in fantasy this year, Dell. Um, it just, again, like you said, there, nobody really had him on the radar, but just another kid that kind of quietly put it together throughout the year. But, <clears throat> All right. So is there anyone else on the QB list hits breakouts or misses that you want to bring up prior to us going to the running backs? Sure. One, one last miss for us, uh, Jerkovic. You know, he was on my fantasy team. We had him at uh, 29th. He finished 125th. Say Flowers, you know, still had a pretty good year as the top receiver there. Jakovic was hurt and was always running for his Mm -hmm. life. That's another instance where the O-line just just crushed his potential. And uh, honestly, he'll be a tough one to rank going into the new year. Um, He transferred out and... um, you know, we'll kind of see how he's going to do at Pitt, who, you know, historically has great offensive lines, but runs the ball at a higher clip. And uh, we'll see. Dracovic was like a second or third round pick on a lot of big boards going into the season. Um, and he kind of needs to make up for that as a, as a super senior this year. And I know we didn't talk about the QB hits very much, but it's always a lot more interesting to talk about the guys that surprised or disappointed. <laughs> but if you look at the QB hits, you've got Dorian Thompson Robinson, KJ Jefferson, Jaron Hall, John Rice Prumley, Seth Hennigan. Part of the interesting thing about that is the th- the the quarterbacks where we were almost dead on on the rankings all hit in the 20s to 30 range. So you saw a lot of guys that were really low that jumped into the top 10 or 12. A lot of guys that were in that top that dropped off the planet like we just talked about with McNamara. But it seems like that second echelon of quarterbacks, uh, the rankings were pretty solid on uh, because right about where we said they were going to be is where they ended up being. So that's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see when we get to running backs and wide receivers of that trend uh, stays there as well. So uh, 
let's let's switch gears. Let's go over to running backs. Doug, where do you want to start with the hits, the breakouts, or the misses on the running back side? Well, since we just talked about the quarterback hits, we'll talk about the running back hits for a little bit here. Um, John Robinson, we had him at number two. Um, he actually came in at number one. We were again within, you know, very few slots of each other on these on these hits. Um, but it's kind of more, I would say, in the top forty-ish that they were hits. They were they were pretty close. You know, injuries kind of derailed some of them. But in the top forty, they were they were all pretty close on the research that I did. Yeah, Bijan uh, Bijan is one of those guys that really frustrated me this year, not because of what he did, but because at the end of the previous season, it looked like Bijan and Roshan Johnson were uh, going to have a little bit more of a, of, a, of a carry split. And I'm not saying it was ever going to be a 50-50 thing, but uh, at the end of the 2021 season, Roshan um, was actually getting a little more uh, a little more play. We had a couple yep. of really good games, bowl game, and, and Roshan basically just dropped off the planet. Absolutely dropped off the planet this year. And so uh, somebody like myself that had him on my team, um, that really hurt because I thought I would have this guy that was going to be a part of a, of a high-profile offense that basically just became completely disappeared. One of the things to note, too, as you consider like subscribing to CFB and what does that get, get you, like uh, we'll, we'll publish our spring rankings, and that'll be kind of free to everyone. And then the deeper rankings, the ones that we adjust all throughout the summer and fall, those are the ones that we're looking at here. And so you'll see like a Nick Singleton where he finished 40th. We had him 41st, but he would have been nowhere in the rankings really in the spring. Uh, not that high, certainly, but it was the fall camp reports that kind of led us to kind of push him up, you know, as you got closer to the season and and closer to, to your individual uh, draft days. So <clears throat> certainly some of those breakouts, though, that we didn't see like a Judkins. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to the next person you want to talk about, Doug. Who is it? Is he a hit? Is he a breakout? Or is he a miss? Well, we'll just go with the the name that Brian just mentioned, Judkins, who we had in our rankings at 286, and the kid finished 10th. I mean, and when you watch his film, which, you know, we have some highlights of him on, on YouTube. If you're interested, check it out. But, I mean, he's just – he's so good all around. So good. Yeah, and we obviously Zach Evans was supposed to be the guy, like the former five star, and he came in. He looked really great too. Like I don't think his draft stock's gonna be hurt, but when we get into Debbie rankings and adjusting them, Judkins is gonna go way up the board because he he's gonna be a beast. He looks great in terms of NFL potential, and um, you know two more years left of guaranteed eligibility at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Doug, let's jump over to your running back misses because the names on that running back misses are names that we talked about in 2021. We talked about preseason. Brian and I lamented over so many of these guys on the milk carton segments um, <laughs> during 2022. The names on this list are unbelievable. Doug, let's pick somebody on that running back misses list and let's let's grill them. I will let Brian talk about the number one guy on this list for me. I'm going to go to a guy that I was really high on that was actually on my draft board that got swooped up. Thank God, honestly. <laughs> um, and I'm going to talk about sophomore Braden Bennett out of Coastal Carolina, who – we had ranked at 27th, and he actually finished 408th. <laughs> um, apparently, there was 
an injury. It was undisclosed. Nobody talked about it. Uh, sidelined him for the first 10 weeks of the, se- of the season. Then he came in on November 12th for four games, only managed 16 carries for 63 yards in those four games. Like, I, I can honestly tell you guys that I probably had him as the number three running back on my draft board this year, and somebody picked him up, and I want to give them a high five when I see them in our next draft because <laughs> they definitely saved me. So Yeah. Yeah, all right. So Travion Henderson now, like, we had him number one. Right. We had it was neck and neck there with him and Bijan and could have gone with either one seemingly in the season. Like all the mock drafts that we were a part of throughout the industry, like those were typically, you know, the top two running backs and very commonly the top two players selected. If you drafted Bijan, good for you. If you drafted Travion, yikes. So we had him number one. He finished 142. You know, he battled injuries. He battled, um, you know, other running backs getting touches and stuff. Um, Mayan Williams uh, had a a really good stretch in terms of fantasy, like, uh, during the season. But, yeah, just just battled an injury, really never took off. Like, going into the year with his talent as, you know, the running back one when he came out of high school – and seeing what he did his freshman year and knowing that Stroud doesn't really like to run like this in a, in they're in a hyper productive offense. Like you just assume that Travion is going to kill it, but mm-hmm. um, didn't happen. Didn't happen. And it's going to be interesting debates internally on, on where we rank him. Cause uh, I know I I've got the traded for the second pick in our draft. Um like early on in the season, I always like to do that. Um, try and root for someone else's draft pick to be good and not mine. So I'll try and do that every year. But uh, it worked out where I'll have the second pick. Thank you, Sean. And uh, I, I would trade that for Travion Henderson. I don't know about you guys, but I think, Doug, you said you wouldn't. Uh, no, I probably wouldn't. I mean, especially with, you know, the other running backs that they have over there that – showed at the end of the year that that room's a little bit deeper than I thought. Um, <laughs> How about you, Matt? Would you be okay with, oh, Uncle Joe having the first two picks in the draft? Would you rather have that second pick or Travion? You know, I'd probably rather have a second pick just because I feel like I'd rather pick a guy that I don't have any questions about. True. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, a guy that's got some questions or a guy that has gone in to perform bad, I don't want to be going – I hope this guy is going to have a, a, a rebound season, a, a bounce back season. I want to pick a guy that I know is going to be amazing. But I think that this is interesting. You bring up the number two pick in our draft this past year, because we're drafting to fill gaps. So it's, we don't have the full roster out there in our draft last year. The, the guy with the number two pick in the draft took Tavion Thomas yes, from did. Utah. Yes, he did. So Tavion Thomas was picked with a number two pick. People were trying to trade up to get that pick so they could get Tavion Thomas. And Tavion Thomas absolutely crapped the bed. Um, <laughs> so, Doug, let's talk about Tavion Thomas. What was his what was his CFB rank? Where did he end up? So, Tavion Thomas' CFB rank was 10, and he ended up 122nd. Uh, missed a lot of playing time, missed a lot of games. I don't think it was as much injury-related. And – you know, I've read a lot of stuff about him because I was kind of curious, you know, what caused the drop off with him. I'm hearing, you know, locker room fights 
Yep. You know, coaches have called him out for his accountability and his consistency issues, you know. So basically it's bad attitude and even worse choices for Thomas, you know, honestly. I don't think it was his playing ability. Just think it was a mindset for him. How about your guy there? Cameron Peoples, we had <laughs> too high going into the year. We had him 19th, you know, kind of seeing that offense, knowing what they have been at App State and thinking, okay, if Cameron Peoples potentially will be the lead guy against uh, Nate Noel there, you know, Phil Steele had him as an All-American um, in the conference, but it didn't happen. Yeah, Cameron Peoples is such a weird uh, case study because he's always been one of those guys where, like, he'll have a great game, and then the next game he gets, like, one carry. And you're like, why? It's just the flow of the game flow, and it felt like going into last season that that was not going to be the case. And that was exactly the case again where Cameron Peoples barely ever came off of my bench because you just couldn't trust him. As you can see, his actual is 155th, and let's say every team in the league – starting three running backs every week. That's only 36 running backs. There's no business to be starting 155th right. ranked running back. And that's a shame because Cameron Peoples um, is, is, a, is a touchdown machine. Uh, when he gets the ball, he does a lot of good things, but there's times he just doesn't get the touches. And you'll see that change in rankings this year. We'll certainly degrade App State running backs because of that until they prove it. And that's one of those things where, you need a known commodity, especially if you're taking like one of your top three running backs. So same really with Northern Illinois, Doug, which you had some experience with Harrison Whaley and oh, yeah. and then like sure. freshman by the end of the year where it was like one game, he might go for 200 plus yards and two or three scores. And then the next week gets a couple touches. It's so weird. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so frustrating um, because you just – you never know. I mean, you and I had conversation about this in the, one of my playoff games. It was like, do I go with a guy that's got a tough matchup? Do I go with a guy that could potentially get four touches or <laughs> 26 touches and 250 yards? Yep. Fortunately, I went with the guy with a tough matchup, um, and he proved why he was one of my top running backs this year and Dwayne McBride. But, you know, it, it's it's so frustrating because you got these kids that you know are talented, but they just don't touch the ball. Mm-hmm. I'll go All with right. one more breakout on running back real fast because um, it's a kid that I actually like watching, um, especially watching so much football with, you know, Danny Tucker, who's a huge Florida State fan. Um, I just want to mention, you know, Trey Benson real fast from Florida State. The, the kid's a bruiser. Um, we had him ranked at 267th and he came in at 57 and I just see that getting even better with Ward transferring out. Um, he beat so many good running backs in that organization to just keep doing what he was doing. I mean, the guy's just a bruiser and he's a really good running back that I just want to mention him because he's somebody that's super exciting to watch. When we get to our teams trending up segment, you know, FSU is going to be up there like, uh, those running offenses that Norvell had at Memphis, they were like fantasy gold. Um, and uh, that could be coming for Benson and FSU, um, you know, depending especially to potentially thinking of the running game when they don't have 
uh, a dual threat quarterback as good as Jordan Travis in the future. Like this FSU running back room could be incredibly valuable and something you want to get in on early in dynasty leagues, especially if you can kind of identify who's going to be that next guy, you know, after Benson and Jordan Travis are gone. One other that we missed on that was just a freaking shock. We had fifth Lou sweet Lou Nichols. Finished 125th, and uh, he was, uh, you know, another one that was just a really, really odd case study. In 2021, he led the nation with over 1,800 rushing yards, and um, between some weird injuries and O-line, like if you were watching the NFL draft, you would keep seeing these, like it was later on in the draft, but you'd see all these Central Michigan guys getting drafted, and you started to think, man – Maybe uh, maybe that offense isn't going to be as good. And then you read through the fall, and I'm telling you, like, O-line is so important. We will be looking at it heavily going into our rankings to kind of spot a guy that might drop off, like a Lou Nichols who led the nation and then had a huge drop-off to, like, 3.4 yards per carry. Yeah, even the vice versa is the same. You know, there's so many, like, kids in the transfer portal this year some of these big O linemen going to another school, maybe that school is going to have a breakout running back or that quarterback's going to play better. I think offensive line is definitely something that we need to we need to keep tabs on and look at that just to not only help ourselves and our teams, but help you guys and your teams too, because the O line seems to be kind of where it's at when it comes to depending the play on how these guys are going to perform. Totally. All right, so let's take let's jump over to wide receivers. So I am actually going to just really quick run down the hits because the hits are the easy part. The fun part to discuss is the breakouts and the misses. Mm-hmm. So on the hits, Nathaniel Dell, uh, definitely somebody that hurts my heart because I had a chance to draft him, and I went with Cedric Tillman, and Cedric Tillman decided to break my <laughs> heart. Uh, but Nathaniel Dell, we had him at six. He was the number one guy in college fantasy sports this year. Uh, then guys where we, we projected – right about where they were going to be. A.T. Perry from Wake Forest projected him at 12, actual 10. Allie Jennings from Old Dominion projected him 36, went to 33. Taj Washington, USC, projected him at 139. Excuse me, projected him at 95. He came in at 98. Kobe Hudson, UCF, projected him at 116, 125. So those are some guys that, whether it's the top of the board or lower down the board, we pretty much got their spot almost dead on. But um, the ones that are fun to talk about, are the breakouts and the misses. Uh, Doug, why don't you start with some of your breakouts? I know BMAC's going to want to go to the misses. Oh, he's so going to want to go to the misses for sure. So um, why don't you start with some of the breakouts? Who are the guys that were breakouts that we did not see coming? So, briefly, Jalen Hyatt. Um, somebody that, you know, Danny got as a pickup in our in our league, which was a great <sighs> pickup, who came at 209th and ended up 6th. All Partly because of your boy Tillman. So what could have been, Matt? So, so, so you know, we, we thank you for that, Matt. We thank you for that, buddy. How could that have changed your playoff run there if you had a another elite receiver to go with uh, an already good group? Basically, to 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 not even have a first round pick, uh, you know. And don't get me wrong, Cedric Tillman probably going to be a good pro. Um, still have some potential there in, in our league. But as far as the college side of it, it was like I just went in and said, hey, you know what? I don't need a first-round pick this year. I'll just I'll just leave that spot open. I'll put him on my injured list for the whole year and see what I can do. Things did not go so well. So thank you, Cedric Tillman, for giving someone else all of the glory in the Tennessee offense. I'm going to remember this. 
and then I'll hit another one that is actually, you know, a really, really good receiver looking at his, his game film and stuff is Charlie Jones for Purdue. We had him at 240 and he finished second. I mean, these receivers are so hard to judge. Sometimes it takes, you know, one receiver in the lineup going down with an injury or all of a sudden this kid just puts it together. Um, and you just never know what's going to happen with some of these guys. We were on the wrong guy with him. So Tyrone Tracy was the talk of camp. You know, he was going to mm-hmm. get running touches. He was going to like, you know, play the slot there in an offense where that's heavily used. And we just were on the wrong guy. And, um, Tyrone Tracy, who I also drafted in our league, uh, sucked all year. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a change in the guard for Purdue for sure, and it wasn't expected by me either. Like like you said, you know, so many people talked about, you know, that receiving room, and Charlie Jones wasn't really the guy that was talked about. Um, and I'll go with one more that I'm getting really familiar with. Um, I know a lot of people probably don't know this name, but it might be a name you want to learn. Uh, I'm going with Michael Sturdivant was the freshman receiver. Um, and he actually just entered the transfer portal. He was our CFB 454th receiver and he ended up 75. Um, he, he's one that's exciting for me and I may give this away. I'm looking at him in my draft, Brian, Matt, take note. Um, especially somebody that played in two championships this year, even though I lost both. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think Sturdivant is going to be a force to reckon with in the future, especially, you know, with how good of a season he had last year as only a freshman. I like it. I like it. All right. Let's get to some misses here. Um, Talk about your boy. All right. Kayshawn, <laughs> Kayshawn, you know, LSU. Uh I we had him at third. He finished two hundred and eighth. Um, he was a DraftKings battle through the first half of the year because as his value kept going down, I kept thinking, "Oh snap! One of these days he's going to break out." <laughs> uh, the breakout didn't come. Uh, that's just, it's really that simple. So that um, was was rough. Um, Dontavian Wicks, we hit on him. We had him thirteenth. He finished in the three hundreds, um, and that was you know a product of their O line top six being gone at UVA mm-hmm. and that crushed the offense. Uh, Jermaine Burton is one that did come on in the playoffs and, uh, or sorry, in the bowl game and yep. late in the season, not in the playoff. And um, we had him at seventh though, kind of projecting a breakout for him that didn't happen. So he actually finished. Well, they are losing 19th. their, they are getting a new offensive coordinator. So we'll see if that helps. <laughs> yeah, True. A, we talked about during the season, this was the first year where you really see that, blue chip um, top of your lineup, Alabama wide receiver. Um, Alabama has just nonstop every year, just been producing high quality wide receivers for years. Mm-hmm. And this year completely non-existent from a fantasy perspective. So it definitely kind of took everybody by surprise, but it's inevitable that at some point um, those offenses that produce positions year in and year out are going to have a down year. That was this year's Alabama wide receiver core for sure. So that's a good transition to Miles Price then. So the whole industry was was in on Miles Price and and for good reason. Like he was taking over a position at Texas Tech where you know that's a historically like high volume, high target um kind of position. And he did like 
battled some injuries, but also took a step back, kind of losing losing the job to to Bradley a little bit there. But man, they battled. They had a the a quarterback, you know, circus all year long. Um, that's definitely something to kind of consider, even at a place like Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when the consistency is not there, then it's at the quarterback position. It's hard to have a receiver that's going to be consistent. Yep. Yep. And I'll hit one more miss, um, which I thought was really funny when I looked at this. Um, you got Xavier Williams, who started his career at Alabama, then transferred to Utah State. Now he's transferring again. Um, we had him ranked at 49, and he came at, at 1,034th <laughs> with 1. 1.2 fantasy points. Um, I just wonder with somebody that that's, that is that transfer happy is if – he just can't win a starting job anywhere. I mean, yeah. you go from Alabama to Utah State, and you still can't win playing time. You know, mm-hmm. I, that seems like a transfer to an FCS kind of level, right there. If you can't, if you have thousand and thirty fourth, how many teams did you have to have in your league for somebody to have to consider starting him in fantasy football? Right. So he may he may be the kind of guy that needs to drop down a division to uh, see if he can can win over some lesser competition. For sure. So as far as my hits and misses, y'all, that's that's pretty much where I'm at with those. Um, but it was really fun to look at, especially the misses, because you get to dive in real deep and see what happened. And like I said, it's all preparation, man. This is it's this kind of type of stuff you do in the offseason to try to win the championship. So, so without going too long, we want to also just talk about in CFB in our home league what we felt like for our personal hits and misses. I'll just be really quick with mine. Obviously we've already talked about it a lot. Um, Cedric Tillman was a miss. We can't predict injuries. He still could be a good pro, but when you waste your, your first round pick on a team that was completely wide receiver deficient, I had either six or seven wide receivers um, graduate or go to the pros and do nothing in the pros last year. So my wide receiver room and my running back room were both pretty bare. And I'm like, Cedric Tillman, he's going to be, um, the foundation for my team this year, not so fast, my friend. That is not what happened. Um, I decided that I wanted to go freshman heavy on running backs, and I got Damian Martinez from Oregon State. I feel like that was my hit. Uh, he was one of the most productive freshman running backs uh, in the country, and I look forward to seeing what he's going to do uh, at, at, a, at running back for the next, hopefully, next two years before he goes pro. And then my breakout is a guy that I had on my team who has performed well, but last year, really went to the next level. And that was Frank Harris at UTSA. Um, Frank Harris became a must start, especially with all the turmoil at uh, with Devin Leary at NC state and Grayson McCall at coastal Carolina um, who are the other quarterbacks on my team. Frank Harris became a must start um, and just putting up stats. One of the only dual threat quarterbacks that was putting up elite numbers running and uh, passing this year. So uh, Doug, let's quickly go to your hits, misses and breakouts. Um, on your roster this year. All right, so my miss, um, someone that I drafted in the third round who I thought was going to take my receiver core to the next level was Isaiah Nayer out of Texas. Drafted him, third round. I think it was what, 12 days later he went down with a knee no, injury. No, 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 it was the same was it the day, day as our draft. So it was like yes. two hours that after evening? the draft. Oh, well, thanks, Brian. <laughs> that makes me feel so much better. Um, you know, so... I think next year I'll uh for this next draft I'm just gonna wait and draft after everybody else is done. No, I'm just kidding. But um, hey, you know what? Hey, I approve. I approve of that suggestion. Done. 
<laughs> he was he was he was definitely my my miss. Um, and that one hurt because I was excited about him. Um, my hit, somebody that Brian knows firsthand that I loved since, gosh, the end of last season and talking about him was Raheem Rocket Sanders from Arkansas. Um, I didn't have a first round pick. I was able to get him early in the second round in our draft, and the dude killed it. I mean, he – I will say he won me a lot of games. Um, so, he he's just a solid running back. I'm excited that I get to have him, you know, in the future because I can see a lot of pro potential in him too. And then my breakout was close. I was going to put Dwayne McBride up there. Um, I expected big things from him, so I didn't put him on there. I put somebody on that I got, you know, as a pickup in the season who helped me get to the championship, and I put Bo Nix out of Oregon on there. Yep, He was dropped in our league, and, year. and I put him on, you know, and he pretty much didn't leave my starting position after I got after I picked him up. Yep. And I think looking at your team as well, your draft last year admittedly was probably number 13 in a 12-team league. You did not have a good draft. You had a great solid team. You made some great moves otherwise – but you still got to the championship. So it shows that the draft isn't the be all end all. I mean, obviously you want to have a great draft, but you took a draft that did not chart very well. And you found a way to still get yourself all the way to the college championship and be a feared team. Let's be honest. Nobody wanted to play Doug because Doug's team was smashing people. And um, it, it did not come from the draft last year. Well, that's one thing that I've talked to, to BMAC about a little bit, you know, is I haven't had a first round pick since I started. Um, and that's okay. Um, I feel like my production comes in those three pickups we have in the year. You know, I, I miss so often in a first and a second round pick that I'm like, you know, okay, <laughs> we're just going to see where we're at. And, but that's the, the joys of having this team that builds on itself every year is if you can keep that foundation firm, you know, those, those, you can afford to miss once in a while on a draft, honestly. If you have a firm foundation, missing on a draft and a, you know, I think I had eight picks this year. I think I missed on three or four of them. I mean, but my foundation was good. For me, so let me, uh, you know, you can't ever out coach really good talent, they say. And let me tell you about a guy who's on my fantasy team that, you know, crushed his output last year, Eric Gilbert. Put up 8.6 fantasy points this past season. Solid. Uh, far surpassing what he did the year before uh, of zero. So uh, it's been awesome having him like take up a roster spot. Um, but that's that's where I'm at. But positive, Brian, as he transferred again. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's just he'll trying play. To, yep. Maybe he'll get he, 16 points this year. He's just trying to see if he can sign with every team in the SEC, and that's that's his goal. No, no, he's up at Nebraska now. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't who know why is getting a bunch of transfers right now. Let's yeah. it's just like the weather in Florida. Let's wait 10 minutes and it's gonna change. Let's see where he transfers uh coming next week. Yep. Um, so Jackson Dart was someone I was pretty excited about going into the season. You know, uh, Lane Kiffin has a great history with fantasy production out of the quarterback spot, but he's also just such a superb coach. Like they went from a great passing offense and they became like the number one like non, you know, army 
or Navy uh, running back. They were the best power five running team in the country this past year and mostly coming from a freshman. Um, so good on him. Jackson Dart did look really good at the end of the year. And now they've got the, a huge battle in that quarterback oh, yeah. room. So that one's going to be interesting. But yeah, my uh, my crown jewel who I started, um, you know, even not enough when I benched him one time against uh, a uh, when he played against Michigan, Chase Brown still had a great game. So he was one that um, we were ahead on. We were talking about him all last offseason as one of our top sleepers. And uh, he definitely, definitely pulled through. All right, guys. So there is the uh, hits, misses, and breakouts. So we're about to wrap this podcast up. But I want to know from you guys, what are you excited to talk about as the offseason progresses there's going to be quite a few of these shows that are going to lead into um, when the draft comes. Uh, we were talking about months from now. Uh, Doug, let's start with you. What is it that you're most excited about to be able to touch on one of these podcasts as the off season goes along? Um, man, this portal tracker is insane. Um, I love the chaos. Um, being able to you know work with Brian every day, I'm getting used to the chaos. So, you know, I, I love the chaos and I think – that the Porter Tracker is going to be even crazier once spring ball's over. Um, like Brian said, with the Ole Miss situation, those quarterbacks going over there, you know, I guarantee you two of them are probably going to transfer again. Um, <laughs> so it's just one of those things. I am looking forward to diving deep into the Portal Tracker and talking more and more about it because it's just it's just crazy this year. I think there was like almost 1,900 players that entered, so – yeah, that's the next show. That'll be a fun one. How about you, Matt? I'm going to go with exactly what Doug just said. I think that mm -hmm. the portal, um, if you go back, say, 10 years, the biggest day in the offseason was signing day. Everybody looked towards signing day, uh, or it was who's going to be the, the early entrance into the draft. Now, between early signing day and the portal, um, they all kind of have equal importance guys that are leaving early the portal tra the, the the early entrance uh the portal the the late signing day but to me the portal is huge because the portal is guys that are hoping to have a direct impact on your team next year the signing day even though it's a big deal you have have less of a chance that those guys are going to have direct impact on your team that following season so being able to look at where guys are going and why is that going to be a good fit for them? Um, is the guy that's going to step up at their previous school going to be able to fill that gap? What was the reason they transferred? I look forward to seeing um, where our portal rankings are because to me, that's just as important as the guys coming out of high school. Yeah. If not more important for fantasy, kind of given mm -hmm. the, uh, the donut charts we looked at earlier. Um, yeah, I guess for me, um, I love obviously talking about the freshmen. That's going to be a fun show um that we're gonna do like right after signing day um kind of going over our freshman rankings but i'm gonna stick to the basics the standard spring rankings like that first like i'm a natural organizer right so if you invite me over to your house i'll you know in, organize your closet or whatever if you want me to but I, I, I like putting these rankings together figuring out looking at the data looking at you know, articles and different things and, and deciding where these guys are going to be ranked. And then of course, adjusting them as the summer and as the fall news hits and all that stuff. But uh, portal 
is freaking insane. Um, but uh, that'll be that'll be our next next week's show. All right. So yeah, I can't wait to uh, to get to that. So there's one more piece of business for us to take care of. And if you guys saw the shows at the end of the season, we talked about doing a a bowl mania. Uh, myself and Brian and anyone else who wanted to jump in um, did our bowl pickums. And we said anybody that was not me or Brian that came in first would get a free subscription to CFBDynasty.com next year uh, as expected. And I would think that as somebody who is a potential subscriber to CFBDynasty.com, BMAC uh, came in first. So if you're a potential subscriber, it's good to know that the guy who is putting these rankings together actually was first in doing the, uh, the bowl prognostication. So we have to take him out of the, out of the loop. He actually got 29 bowls, right? Uh, the next person was a uh, broken controller himself, Mr. Danny Tucker. Uh, he is a, a player of one of the, the OGs from the home league. So Danny Tucker gets the free subscription, but here's the thing. Danny Tucker's a guy that we've known for years. The whole point of us doing this is we want you guys out there that are listening to this that are in all reaches of the country. We want you guys to participate in that next year because we want to be giving it to somebody in Wyoming or Wisconsin or North Dakota or Massachusetts. We don't care. We want it to be somebody that has found us on the Discord or found us on YouTube, that's jumped in, become a part of the community, and found a way to get a benefit from this that goes over and above the rankings that you get on the site. So that being said, BMAC, if you had to pitch to somebody what the benefit is of going up and being a part of the Discord, tell them why the Discord is so important for CFP Dynasty. Well, it's, it's nice once, once it gets to a point where we want. And right now, it's, it's just not there yet. So we have, whatever, 100 and some people in there, maybe 200 now, but still need to get that to where we're able to kind of give feedback together looking at trades and all that stuff, potential trades and talking about that on the show, taking questions and getting more interaction. And it's just going to, you know, it's something we've still kind of newly launched. Um, hasn't even been around for, you know, eight or 10 months yet. So we've got room to grow it. And uh, we plan on that being a big part of, of just interaction as we go along. And one of the things we want to do there, we have like, five or six really cool tools that are going to come out and benefit all subscribers um, during the season this upcoming year. Um, so we'll have a split, you know, price as normal for the, the draft kit uh, and then a separate one for the in-season tools. And it's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to drop all of the uh, insider stuff, demos and whatnot there in the discord only to try and encourage everyone to to kind of be there and kind of engage and the best thing about the discord is it's free all you got to do is just go to discord <laughs> sign up become a part of the community now so you can be in on the ground floor and you can get this information one of the best things about last year was there were times we get on the podcast and we had to make sure that we were answering the questions that were coming from the pot from the, the discord so you guys putting your comments up on the discord sometimes found yourself and found your name being a part of this podcast the bigger it gets, the, the more elite it's going to be because we might have 50 questions in a week. We aren't going to be able to get to all 50 of them. So make sure you put up a great question. And, and, you know, we want you guys to be a part of this community. We want you guys to help to craft what happens here, helps to craft what happens on the CFPDynasty.com website, yep. help craft what happens on the Discord. Yes. Doug, did you enjoy being a part of the Discord last year? If so, why? And you better say yes. Oh, well, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I got a little bit. Brian had me help answer some questions and stuff. It was really fun interacting with the people on there, helping them out with their teams. Um, 
and just answering their questions, man. I've always been a, a guy that likes to help people out and, you know, also a guy that they can blame if it doesn't work the right way. So, you know, they don't have to blame themselves anymore. They can blame me if it doesn't work. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. That sounds like a good idea coming from the guy who lost three fantasy championships in a single season. Three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So that wraps it up. Uh, Doug, if somebody wants to get in contact with you, I assume probably on the discord, what is your username on the discord? If somebody wants to go and message you directly, you know, that's a really good question. It's at Doug. It's at Doug at Doug. Hey, you know what? So they literally the only Doug out there. BMAC, what about you? Yeah, same. Just hit me up on the discord. You can find me. Uh, Brian McElfresh dash CFB dynasty. Um, hit me up. Let's chat. Let's talk about ideas, tools that you want to see um, that, you know, we're building six new ones, but maybe you guys have different ideas, things that you want to see. We want to be the end all be all in college fantasy. So you guys can, can kind of help us get there. Things you want to see differently and all that. And you can hit me up at, at, at Dr. Anguish. I think I'm also, I think I have two accounts up there. Also Matt slash in either one of them is going to get to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also go to uh, insymmetrycreations.com If you really just want to get a hold of me um, on Facebook, Twitter, um, the website. So you can see the other content creation things that I do as well. Um, that being said, looking forward to the next show, the best CFF impacts from the portal, the best movers in the portal. I'm uh, looking forward to that show. My name is Matt Knowles on behalf of, that guy, Brian McElfresh, and our guest today, Doug Gravely. Thank you guys for coming out to the CFPDynasty.com podcast. We hope to see you next week.